as loud. That's that better. Got the mix. Tight, tight, tight! I got... I got my cocoa tea... steeping. It's one of my impulse purchases. I don't feel bad. I'm gonna turn down the toots. I'm gonna turn them up. There you go. So, as an impulse purchase, I was watching a TV show with my mother-in-law, and they talked about cocoa, cocoa nibs. I think the the cocoa seed, the cocoa seeds wrapped in in some stuff, and they crack it off, and if they dry it out and you use it to make tea, then it makes chocolate tea. And I saw uh, someone talking about that on a TV show, and I said, well, shit, yeah, that's for me. And I went online, and it's like, you can buy a, you can buy a palm full for $5, or you can buy a, a dime bag for $10, or you can buy 50 pounds for $30. And I'm like, well, shit, I ain't no fool. I'm buying the 50-pound bag. So I got a 50-pound bag of tea. <sighs> And it's almost ready. It's going to be cocoa-y. It's 11.16 at night. I've got a meeting in, for work in 12 hours and 43 minutes. But, well, so that's why I'm drinking tea that hopefully has no caffeine. An alarm's going to fire off to remind me to stop steeping my tea. That's usually where I fuck up. I usually steep my tea. And then I move on to other stuff because I'm not the kind of guy who watches his tea steep. And then 20 minutes later, I look and I've got uh, a brick of uh, gummy oversteeped tea uh, um, desiccating in, in the glass. And so I throw it away in failure. So this time I set an alarm. So it's going to be great. So I wanted to talk about the Space Shuttle Challenger. I'm not sure. Why I got onto this, but I was thinking about it. Oh yeah, yesterday. Yesterday was the 20 year anniversary of the fire at the Great White Show. I covered that in an earlier podcast. So that was 20 years ago yesterday. It was Jan February. February 20th, 2003. So it's February 21st, 2023 today so i thought well i could go out and announce uh, some promotion on the 20th anniversary and then i thought nah nah that's a dick move so i waited and i put it in my challenger space shuttle challenger thingy dingy so i'm gonna i'm gonna start back a little earlier on the space shuttle stuff i don't know what they teach in school i know when i grew up uh, Americans were going to space. And if you are 18 or so, then Americans stopped going to space by the time. Let's see. When did the, uh, when did the last space shuttle? Oh, my tea's ready. Let me cancel that. How did, that's yeah, stupid. Can't cancel it when you're in the app. All right, now I'm going to pull my tea steep out. Oh, yeah. Now I can forget about it and nothing bad will happen because it's the, the chunks of dirt are no longer going to urinate into my hot water. All right, let me try this. It's going to be too hot. That's chocolatey hot water. That's awesome. All right, so... The fuck was I talking about? Oh yes, I was gonna find out the last space shuttle. Last space shuttle launch. I know it ended badly. Was it? Did they do one after the uh, after the the bad one? Maybe they did one after it. I know they pretty much ended it. Ten years ago, STS-135. 
July 8th, 2011. So, almost 12 years ago. So, if you're 18 now, then... I mean, you were alive. You were going to school. But, uh... I guess you were the same... You were, you're older now than I was when the space shuttle launched. And it certainly made a, an impression on me. I should say the last time it launched, it had been flying into space for for many years. Uh, do you know how many space shuttles there were? Yeah, me neither. Uh, uh, I know they stopped the shuttle. Well, right, let me start at the beginning and work my way through the, to this. And I'll uh, see if I remember to tell this part of the story. So back in the early 60s, President uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy... Uh, I guess started the space race. The Russians, the Russians were the first to get into outer space. And in the early 60s, Kennedy set it as a goal to get human beings onto the surface of the moon by the end of the 60s. And he didn't, uh, he didn't make it that far because I, I, I don't know when he made the speech, but I know it was uh, 63 when he was assassinated. But they, uh, they kept it going. No one dare shut that down at that point, and they worked really hard. And in, at the end of the decade, 1969, they got, they got rockets to send the people to the moon, and this you know, long step for one small step for man. And they landed on the moon, and I don't know how often those Apollo things obviously were really expensive, really tall, big-ass rockets that fly out there. I don't know how many times they went to the moon, at least a few times. Apollo 13, uh, if you've seen the movie, yeah, you know they were going to go land on the moon, but they had a problem. And they didn't make it, and they barely made it back alive, and that was fun. So the, the Apollo program uh, went for a while and cost a lot of money, and they decided, uh, wouldn't it be great to make reusable shit? Not just, you know, make a... I don't I have no clue how tall these things are. As tall as a 10-story building, a 20-story building, I don't know. But not make a big-ass thing that flies up and basically destroys itself on its trip. How do we... How do we use almost everything? And so they got the space shuttle, and I don't know if you if you imagine it. So the shuttle itself, you know, it's the, the black and white. Uh, it's basically shaped like a brick with two little tiny wings. And a fin in the back. I've, I've seen some videos on how impossible those things are to fly without the computer doing all the work. It's basically a brick that can glide down. It's meant to, you know, it comes into the atmosphere at 20,000 miles an hour. And it's got to slow down to 100 miles an hour. Uh, and like it's got like 6,000 miles and 20 minutes or so to to decelerate that fast and so it's just basically a brick in the sky and it can't fly unless it's uh i don't know it's uh it's made for one purpose but so you know what i'm talking about so you got the shuttle and then the big orange tank that's got the liquid uh hydrogen and part of it and oxygen and another part i think i don't know i didn't watch i didn't study on this i'm just i'm excited about space shit uh, like any other boy was. And then you got the rockets on the side. The the tall uh, white uh, rockets with the solid fuel. And everyone's terrified of the solid fuel rockets. It, in the big orange tank, the massive orange tank, is the, the gas that goes to the engines in the space shuttle. And the cool thing about... Those engines is if you're having a problem, you can flip an off switch and stop putting gas through the engine, and then there won't be any more uh, engine thrust or anything like that. 
But the solid fuel rockets, once you light them, there's no putting them out. They they light at the bottom. I'd tell I'd I'd give the example of the the snake fireworks, but none of you guys know what fireworks are. Those have been those have been gone for your lifetimes. Um, but yeah, you just uh, just imagine uh, uh, something that <laughs> that that burns on one end, and there's the tube in the rocket is filled with this combustible material, and once you light it, it's gonna it's gonna burn until there's no more fuel. And so, people are terrified of the solid fuel rockets for that reason because uh, there can't be anything that goes wrong. Because uh, if something goes wrong, it'll explode. And that's the only way they can make them stop uh, shooting thrust out the bottom is they, they, they got self-destruct uh, bombs on them that make the whole thing go. And that's that's the only way to stop a, <laughs> a rocket, which is not a very good proposal if you're going to be strapped to one. So, but they made the shuttle... It's uh, they called it the space shuttle because it's supposed to be like the bus to space. It was supposed to be able to launch a space shuttle uh, more often than once a week. They thought that they'd be so reusable, and I don't know how many shuttles. Obviously, not one shuttle would be able to go that often because they're usually in space for a week or so. But they thought they'd put one up in space and then, you know, five or six days later, put another one up in space <clears throat> and just keep that going year after year after year. They started making all this stuff, I think, in the mid-70s. You know, the, the reusable plan, the <clears throat> brick, the flyable brick on the side that people can fly in because, you know, the Apollo things are just these little cones that uh, that come back and they just kind of fall uncontrollably you, you try to aim them right and then you hope that that they fall right and then they got parachutes so they land softly in the water and this is actually supposed to land on an airplane or on a at an airport big ass uh nasa airport with uh you know that's way longer than a normal one because the thing's coming so fast when it goes down but you know it's a uh, spaceship also, it's the amount of RAM. See, I'm a, I'm a programmer, so I nerd out on this shit. I think the amount of RAM was less than a megabyte in the computers when they started the program, and, like, I don't know, like, 10 years into the program, they upgraded the computers to, like, 4 megabytes of RAM, and then they didn't upgrade it at all. So, so think about that. They invented... All this technology, you know, the, the, the fucking thing can't fly unless the computers are controlling it because people can't make the, the little wings on the side of the brick uh, actually control the plane uh, without the computers telling it what to do. So, you know, telemetry and calculus and all of that shit and... The computer's doing all of that, and they invent something, uh, let's call it 1975, because that's the best year ever. Um, so they, they, they invent something then, and w based on technology, and they use it until, okay, now, now you've got me. When did the space shuttle plan start? I'm going to Google that, because you guys like it. When did space shuttle blow up, Columbia blow up, Challenger blow up, explode program and Columbia crash, Columbia blow up, Discovery blow up, Columbia end. I'm going to pick a better one. Google didn't have a pretty one for me. When did space shuttle program start? January 5th, 1972. So even earlier than I said. So it's 1972 to 2011. So if I was to do some math really quick, that is uh, 28 years to 2000 plus 11 years is 39 years. So they made a computer. And they upgraded it 
like with a little more RAM once for almost 40 years they used a computer a fucking computer you know how often do you, do you need a new iPhone you know your, your iPhone you, you can't even comprehend how much more powerful your iPhone is than this computer 4 megs of, of memory so like a 26 megapixel camera which is common years ago if let, let's say you got a 26 megapixel camera on your iPhone that means if you take a picture and it's not compressed, it's 26 megabytes. That is, uh, what, eight and a half times more memory <laughs> than, uh, uh, than what this computer had. So just a dinosaur. But it worked. And that's the thing about these is they test the hell out of them. They make sure it works. And they're like, well, why do I need to change it? I mean, flying to the space, flying into space is the same thing. Landing in from space is the same thing. So once they made it work, they, they didn't, they didn't need to change much. They changed it over the time and they added more memory, but they're like, if they changed it too much, they'd have to retest everything. And so that's. That's how expensive stuff gets when you test the hell out of it and you make it duplicate everything and you make it redundant and you know it's bulletproof. So there's that. So that's the, the space shuttle program. Um, I think the space shuttle Challenger first flew in, uh, let's say, seven, 1979. I know it had been flying for a number of years. They It got to the point, I'm going to take a sip of coffee or coffee of uh cocoa tea oh that's nice and chocolatey and not too warm so nasa had an idea hey let's put a teacher on a space shuttle won't that be fun they had a, a you know contest People around the country were nominating their teachers. Uh, they made a big deal out of it, and they got a lot of excitement and a lot of a lot of press out of it. And they chose a teacher, uh, Krista McAuliffe from Connecticut. She won. She trained to go into space. She was going to teach a lesson from space, and it was going to be awesome. And basically, they got her all ready, and so she was on the, the Challenger, Space Shuttle Challenger, and I was, so this was, this happened in January 1986, that means I was 10 years old, if I was in the, I was in the 8th grade, in 89 because I started high school in 89 so in January of 89 I was in the eighth grade so in 2006 I was in the fifth grade so uh, elementary school where I went junior high school was uh, seventh and eighth grade I've seen it other places be sixth seventh and eighth grade but either way I was in the fifth grade so elementary school all the way and it's the first memory I have of them wheeling in the cart with the TV on it. I don't know. I don't know if you have that experience. Uh, you 18 year olds out there. There's so many schools I see now that have projectors and, and cameras and sound systems built in in every classroom that I don't know the joy I don't know if you felt the joy that of a cart coming in and that meant that you were going to watch something on TV. So you may you may remember it. It was it, w it usually meant a treat for us cuz even if it sucked it was still a show on TV. Um so they wheel the cart in and the TV is strapped to the cart and the space shuttle launches at uh, I want to say 8:30 in the morning. And the whole class is watching. 
and we've been hyped up um, for this for months. Um, we're stoked because it's a teacher going into space, and everyone loves it, you know, the teacher worship. So, uh, yeah, happiest happiest day of everyone's life in the classroom because finally a teacher's going into space. And 73 seconds after takeoff, it explodes. Well, that's the word they use. And then later, I can go into the analysis if you want to know. Uh, it wasn't technically an explosion. <clears throat> so much as all of the liquid fuel left in the tank combusted at like in a tenth of a second. And it made a big plume, and it kind of made the the big orange tank crush in on itself. And then it wasn't aerodynamic anymore, and when something's going several thousand miles an hour uh, in a straight line, and then it starts to twist, then it'll fall apart. And so that's basically what happened, is a big, big ball of smoke... And things no longer flying in a straight line, and so the aerodynamic forces tore everything apart. So it wasn't an explosion. Uh, things didn't shoot out of the explosion. Uh, it's just a big ball of gas being consumed, and then things continuing to go in the direction they were going in for a while, and then falling down. Uh, except for the liquid fuel or the sorry the solid fuel rockets which kept going uh until they exploded them uh i, I get into that that there's a lot of interesting story there so so basically they were going to launch one day the space shuttle this is the, the day they were going to launch it so the day before uh, they, the, the news, one of the engineers who made the rockets heard the news that there was a cold front coming in and that Florida was going to be 20 degrees or something, just like cold ass cold. And that engineer's like, Hey, wait a minute. We got to get some news on here because the, the O-rings are not meant to be that there was a, a launch the year before. And the temperature was 50-something degrees. And there's two O-rings. So should I should I back up? So you got so you got the solid rockets. Solid fuel rockets. There are a bunch of tubes. Uh, and they don't make them, you, you know, when they, they launch from uh, um, Cape Canaveral in Florida. There's, you know, there's obviously facilities, NASA facilities there, but not manufacturing. They don't build the stuff there. So everything has to be shippable, and they actually ship the huge orange tank to all together in one thing on a barge. But the rockets, which are smaller in diameter and almost as tall as that big orange tank, those come in little let's say pieces like you know imagine a hot dog and you just cut it into eight sections down the middle it's however many sections it, it can fit on a train each one they can train them in and then they bolt the those pieces together to make a long tube and where they bolt them together there's a o-ring which is supposed to keep when the, the solid fuel's burning inside of it, it's supposed to push all the exhaust straight down out the bottom and not out any of the sides where they're bolted together. And they put two O-rings in because they try to make things as redundant as they can. So if the first O-ring fails, then the second one will catch it. So they made two O-rings there. And basically the engineers noticed, because they recover the rockets after every launch, and take them apart and try to reuse them. And they noticed that when they launched in the cold temperature of 50-something degrees, the first O-ring burned through, and there was a solid propellant flame soot in between the first and second O-ring in a few spots. So they're like, oh shit, this, uh, these O-rings have a problem with cold. 
And so when they heard that they were going to launch and a cold front was coming in and it's going to be 20 degrees, they're like, no, 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 fuck no, fuck no. So they made the, all the calls to all the people. They were contractors. It wasn't NASA. NASA doesn't build the rockets. They pay companies to build the rockets. And so the, the company that built the rockets, they all got together. They got their liaisons and everyone together. And they're like, well, what's the minimum temperature to be safe? And that's the thing. They never built, they never tested it at, I, I think it was... 38 degrees when it launched at launch time because it was 11:30 in Florida because I'm on the west coast and so when I said it was 8:30 in the morning that's because I was on the west coast on Pacific time and like there you know there was water there was ice everywhere on the you know is just getting above freezing as it was launching. And so, you know, all the, all of the scientists, the engineers, I should say, who made the rocket said this, we should not do it. And they made a recommendation that the minimum temperature the space shuttle should be at is 54 degrees. No, anything less than that would be dangerous. And so they had a meeting with NASA starting at 8 p.m. the night before launch, saying, hey, we we recommend you cancel the launch. And NASA wasn't happy. NASA's like, well, what, are we supposed to wait until the springtime? And uh, they pushed back. Uh, they pushed back on the management for the consulting firm, the consulting, the leadership and the consulting firm basically said, okay, well, you're right. I, it, you know, it's a, it's a bad time for us to be changing specs. And so the, it became a question of, can the engineers prove it will fail? Which is not the way it's supposed to be when someone's life's on the line. You're supposed to prove it can succeed. And so what they should have done well, I guess they should have been more clear about it, but they're like, they didn't test. There was like a range of temperatures that they tested the rockets at and a range of temperatures that they had always launched at. And it had never, it had only been that cold, you know, low 50s was the closest it had been to this launch. And so they, the, the rockets had always been made and tested to fly, uh, to, to take off. At, uh, I don't, I don't know how low it went, but they definitely, uh, they, they guessed at 54. Like, so everything else had been higher than that. So, you know, Florida's usually pretty warm. So anyway, you just, you, you got the, the, the leadership saying, prove to me this, this will fail. And you got the engineer saying, I can't prove to you it'll fail. I can't prove to you it'll work, uh, but the data shows that it's wrong. They tried to negotiate, well, what what is the cutoff thing? And then basically the managers went out and they said, uh, never mind, we've changed our minds. It's okay. And there's like one guy from that company who's supposed to sign off on everything. And the, the government, they, you know, with the paperwork... The government's like, well, someone brought this up, so we need a signed letter from the contractor's company saying that these things are safe. And the the guy's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> I ain't signing that. And so his boss signed it. And then... And then what happened, I, I guess, well, I'll jump around in the story. So it... it um. Well, the Challenger exploded 70 seconds, 73 seconds after takeoff. And all the engineers thought it was going to explode on the, on the, on the platform, what do you call it? They, they thought it would, on, on takeoff, as they ignited the rockets, they thought within a second or two, it would have exploded. And it didn't. 
and it flew up into the air. I'm sure you've seen videos of it. If not, go ahead and watch it. Uh, it's basically flying up and then poof, big ball of smoke, and then the two solid rockets are still going for another 20 seconds or so until they're exploded. And the people, the engineers watching it, <coughs> were like, shit, it exploded. And the solid rockets are the only things that are still working. So they obviously didn't cause the problem because they thought they were going to explode. And so basically the main liaison for that company is like, oh, well, shit, you guys got a hard one on, on your hands. I'm going to go home because that's not what caused it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the, the next day as they're looking at footage, they saw... They saw that it was, uh, there was smoke coming out from the, the rocket. So basically what had happened was as it launched, it immediately, immediately, like, um, in less than a second, just as, as it launched, as, as they ignited it, um, I think they saw plumes of smoke coming out of the side of the rocket at half a second. Um, it just immediately didn't didn't do its job, and smoke was coming out, and you know, ash and whatever is coming out of there, and basically it plugged itself up. So there was like a half second of smoke, and then it plugged the hole, which is why it didn't explode on on the pad and then at 73 seconds they you know they they slow it down because of the g-forces and then they speed it up and the, there's wind shear and there's all this stuff that's happening that's twisting the the whole system the the space shuttle the orange tank and the rockets you know as it tries to get up in the space and so there's a part when they make the, the shuttle, because they can't control the solid rockets, but they decelerate on the space shuttle rockets that are gas, and, and they can control them. And they, you know, ease off on, on the part that is really rough, and then at some point they go to 104% of power, and the wind, really strong crosswind, and it just twists everything enough to break that thing loose. And it's really bad luck because, you know, if you got to, you know, imagine a tube next to a tank uh, and that tube can fail and start shooting out flames from a hole. And if it had shot it in any direction other than right at the tank, it would have been... Uh, I'm not sure how, because it definitely wasn't good that the rocket was burning a hole in the side. Basically, once it went, once the the plug broke loose, it started shooting flame out, and then that flame started eating hole in the side of the rocket. Um, as as the thrust went out, a new little hole it just made that bigger and bigger and burned its burn its through. Uh, that certainly wasn't good for the rocket. That wasn't good for controlling the rocket. Uh, but certainly, you know, if it if it had been 180 degrees from where it was aiming at a shot out into space, if it had been 90 degrees, like there's just so many, it just like perfectly, and probably it happened there because it was right at where the rocket attaches to the tank. So that's probably what caused the flexing that that broke it in the first place because the rocket's thrusting everything up with the weight of everything and it kind of twisted it in that spot and so that's where the venting is so it's probably not just like you know the the one in in 200 chance that the hole happens to be pointing right at the tank but that's what happened the hole was pointing right at at the tank the side of the rocket where the gas was shooting out was straight into the side of the liquid hydrogen tank. And it burned a hole into that and then it 
caught all of that on fire and all of that burned up in less than a second and then everything fell apart and you can actually see in video the cabin the crew cabin where all the people are at you can actually see that it's hard to they say you can see it breaking off of the rest of the fuselage which it's just like I believe them because it's just like a blurry black bar and then it's two blurry black bars but you can clearly see later uh, through different angles the crew cabin falling and it comes across a white trail of something else that's falling and you can clearly see what it is and it's like oh fuck that's that's brutal and so yeah so everyone's watching this all of their family members are watching it i'm watching this i'm a kid i'm watching it and it was really clear it was really obvious real quick that it was not uh, a normal launch when it when it uh i'll keep saying exploded because uh i don't worry about the scientific name it 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 uh it, it exploded even though it didn't uh, you know it looked like it exploded and the teacher ran up turned off the tv and's like all right what should we do now and everyone's like um should we just watch the teacher die that what just happened like let's uh a time for recess like what what I just the teacher just died, right? Uh, we don't know. And so I obviously didn't know because they shut the TV off. But even the people that were there, you know, no one, no one wanted to announce in the rate on on the you know to f friends and family who are a mile away or six miles or however far they're away watching it on the bleachers. You know, oh, your family's fucked. Sorry, you know they. They're like, oh shit, this is not usual. Uh, we're going to investigate this. And, you know, the immediate family members of the astronauts, who, and you know, because there's other astronauts who were there, and then the families of the, the astronauts who were in space, they weren't, they, they knew. <laughs> and they're like, time to go, and everyone's crying, and everyone's crying. And the whole nation's crying. Um... Yeah, so they, I guess to finish that story, they, uh, the, they told everyone that everyone, sorry, like, the story on the news was that it was a violent explosion and everyone in the space shuttle died, basically immediately. If they even knew it was something going on, uh, it was over before they could even really get a chance to know how wrong things were and then they found the the thing the the cabin and they brought it up and they i mean it well i think estimates are it hit the ocean at 300 miles an hour so it was it was not uh pretty what was inside um yeah, I've seen car crashes where, you know, the car's going 100 miles an hour, and you're... Yeah, so the 300... I've not seen a 300-mile-an-hour car crash, but uh, I haven't seen much pictures. I did see a picture of the backside of it, and that was in relatively good shape. I mean, they they made that, that crew... That cabin crew... Crew cabin is the most reinforced part of the shuttle, which I guess you kind of wonder why at some point um because it either lands softly in uh, at the end of the mission or because it, it didn't have a parachute uh so basically if you lose a wing then it's you know you're all gonna die so i, I don't understand why you know, maybe it's like making a, a motorcycle helmet, but it's only really strong at your forehead. Uh, you like l the shape of a dime. 
It's like, well, that's the front part of my brain, so I'm safe. So, I don't know. They really made that part safe, I guess, so they could identify the remains of people who... The, the, the cabin didn't completely collapse, but it hit the ocean at 300 miles an hour, and there was never going to be any other chance. People have talked about that, like, well, should they have parachutes on, then there'd be an escape hatch. That's like, well, how do you... You know, nobody jumps out of a, out of an airplane that high up in the sky. And I don't know. They don't have it. They never had it. Uh, I don't know how feasible it would be. But they know once they got in there that people had turned on their independent breathing things. So most or all of the people survived and they believe that because they put on their independent breathing things that they whether or not it lost pressure they everyone was still awake for the minute long fall back to earth and were alive when it hit the ocean so uh i don't know family members weren't happy about that uh but they were mainly unhappy when they found out that the engineers uh knew that it was fraught with peril. And I think about that, I don't want to say a lot, but I work in life-saving shit, and you gotta, you gotta realize, you know, sometimes, like, if, if you work in making medicine or medical equipment, you know, that's the thing. It's, I want to say only seven people died, um, you know, as if I'm comparing lives, but, you know, if you're making medical equipment where something goes wrong and hundreds or thousands of people can die, you know, that's kind of the, the pressure some people are under is to, you know, uh, I, I had a system once for my job that went out and two kids almost went to the hospital. And it was out for like 12 hours, and it's like, well, oh man, that could have been bad. There could have been eight people who died. And then I'm like, fuck, I just beat the challenger for deaths. So there's a lot of jobs out there where you, you got to figure out how to not uh, end up being... Being the person who has to figure out how to live their life after, after making that kind of decision. So, um, have I said everything there is to say? Um, oh, do you know where the, where the challenger is at now? Like, they, they... They did the investigation, big old investigation. Oh, that's another part that's fun. The, the, the guy, there's a YouTube video on this. The, the guy who, who refused to sign from the contracting company saying that the rocket was safe for a cold launch. He, um, he, let's see, he, there was a, a presidential, uh, team assigned to investigate what happened and he testified because they basically someone some anonymous sources uh, told uh, she, he kept referring to the lady as uh, Dr. Ride I think and I'm like is that you mean Sally Ride the, the astronaut but uh there's anonymous tips made to Dr. Ride about, uh, hey, the engineers thought that it was unsafe and tried to stop it, but they were overruled. And then the the testimony, the uh, gathering team asked the, the guys in charge of that, the, if it happened. And they're like, ah, the people were afraid of cold for batteries and lots of things, but we determined that it wasn't uh, a risk and so the guy 
who signed the who wouldn't sign the paper was there in the room and he walked down to a microphone and basically said that he that you know more of the truth that they weren't going to allow it uh, and were overruled and then the next day he was transferred off that team was not a part of any of the investigations basically the contracting company is like uh, you don't play ball uh, so you're not involved they I think they put him in charge of scheduling uh, they gave him a bullshit job and removed him from anything to do with building rockets and so he was not allowed to take part in the investigation and then he told he talked with someone at the government a few months later and the the guy from the government's like you know how you doing are you working on this thing you're working real hard on this thing i hope this is your top priority and he's like nope i'm not working on it at all i got pulled off uh the day after i testified in front of you <laughs> so so nasa to the to their credit uh uh fucked all the management from the contracting company in the ass for doing that and put this guy in charge of it which is I'm sure a big reason why the truth came out on it and god sometimes I wonder what would happen like if this happened today and it's like like you know the government overrules some scientists because they want to look good. They want to look like they can launch on time. And then something bad happens. And then the government story is nothing bad happened. And if, like, I could see, I could easily see, like, people saying, hey, I hear the engineers, uh, the engineers say it didn't, uh, it did, that they didn't, they, they warned to get that this would happen. And then, like, Twitter blocks them for going against the government narrative. Like, this is why I'm so against Twitter blocking people for going against the government narrative, because I feel like we're still in the middle of one of these, where where you, you there's people out there who know a lot of stuff that they're not allowed to say, and the truth will come out for all of that. So I don't know. We I learned a lot. In the years coming after the the Challenger, because, you know, I was still, for years after that, I was still a little kid. So all of this happened in my 20s and 30s when I went back and followed up and found all the, the information about that. But, yeah, uh, fuck. So the, the Challenger now, or they, they, they did the investigation, they retrieved over half of it, the, the wreckage from the rockets and the the liquid fuel tank and the shuttle itself. They got over 50% of it and they laid it all out and basically wanted to prove that it was what they thought it was from the video and telemetry evidence, which was the hole burning in the side of the, the solid fuel tank. So they basically reconstructed everything they needed to to prove that, you know, they proved that the space shuttle wasn't torn apart by an explosion, that it was kind of ripped apart by aerodynamic forces. They basically, you know, proved everything, and, you know, I don't I don't know what they hypothesized that wasn't proven, so it's, it's hard for me to say, yep, the evidence proved that they were right, you know, basically. We only know... We, we only know what ideas they had that were confirmed by the evidence and that's fine you get you have lots of wrong ideas on your way to the right ideas so um so that's fair and so at the end of that they took the you know it's like well what do you know i i, I just learned this um it's like well where are the challenger parts are they still in a bunker somewhere are they are they in little crates, like in Indiana Jones? Are they, like, in a big warehouse filed away somewhere? I'll let you guess. That's right, they buried them in a an old missile silo in Florida. They, uh, 
lowered the parts down uh, piece piece by piece. You know this. You know the the shuttles in thousands of pieces, and they just lowered them down piece by piece into this silo, and then they put this multi-ton piece of concrete on top. There's a few things they kept in case they wanted to study it, but most of the the wreckage from the shuttle uh, Challenger disaster are buried in dirt in a abandoned missile silo in Florida with a multi-ton concrete cap on top. So it's not, they're not unreachable, but, you know, if there was a reason to get to them, they could be gotten to. But no one's going to sneak by one night and run off with a souvenir. And that's... I could... I could probably make up shit for a while. It was... I definitely remember... Uh... How long ago was this? 86? 96? 1006? 1016? 1026 would be 40 years. So, 37 years ago. I definitely remember that. I remember where... Where I was. I remember what... I was in the back left part of the room. Oh, yeah. I remember the teacher coming up and turning that off. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, so that's one of the moments uh, that, that helped with my uh, le learning that shit happens. And that's it. So if you got any questions, uh, go search on the Internet. Uh, for the answers, because I, I, I don't know. All right. I'm going to finish my tea. And oh, hold on, let me play the farts. i finish my tea. It's 12.07. It's a good podcast length. It's almost an hour. I go sleepies. I brush my teeth. I went to the dentist today. They like it. They like my mouth. I'm using a, a water pick, and they say it works good, so fuck you.